Hi, I'm Tish. I'm Juliana. And this is episode 33 of In the Movies. This week, we're talking about me and Earl and the dying girl and movie critics. How do you separate just a movie from everything you know about the movie? Just because a movie has the trope in it doesn't mean you can't love the film. Female characters that we do get, every single one of them is important and has character. That is LGBT representation, like, in a nutshell. We've reached the end of film technology. How are you, Juliana? I'm good, but probably not as great as you, Tish. Oh, am I great? Well, you have lots of exciting life things. Yeah, I got... (laughs) Yeah, it's been a crazy couple months. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which has finally culminated, <laughs> not quite culminated, but it will on May 1st <laughs> culminate in me officially becoming store manager of the store where I work mm-hmm. and moving into a new apartment. <laughs> We're going to record this thing in the light. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will see the sun as we record. There will not be furnace and fridge and heater and everything to turn off. I know. Hopefully, I have quiet neighbors. Well, we'll, we'll see. Um, it won't be as bad as this basement anyway yeah. for someone's upstairs. It's um, exciting. It's a one bedroom, so we'll be getting a sofa so we can all sit on the sofa and record. I mean, we started out doing that and then I got lazy and I was like, I'm not turning my bed into a couch anymore. You know what? <laughs> that's fair. It's a lot of, it, that's a lot of work, but now yeah. it's two separate things. The yeah. bed and the sofa will be separate yeah. entities. Just sit down. All I have to do is like maybe make put up a table so we yeah. can have the laptop and stuff on the table and then we can just sit and chill. Talk about movies, talk about Doctor Who. It's awesome. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. I am too. So that's why there may not be a podcast for a while. Yeah. <laughs> We're if there's to- a little bit of a gap, it's like Tish is moving slash starting brand new job. Yap. But we will be back. Yeah. We have we have them planned out. Just yeah. maybe need to take a little breaky break. Maybe. But we should maybe have a guest on the next mm. one or yeah. one of the next ones. Trying to line up a guest. We've we've hooked someone. We're reeling her in. <laughs> She's interested. Just gotta get her on an episode. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. She's very knowledgeable. She is. She has a PhD in something. Well, related to... That's better than either of us. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah that'll be fun. But uh, today, we're talking about Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Yeah. Um, from 2015. We saw it at an advanced screening. We sure did. It was like only like our second... Well, I guess we it had was... gone to that one that we got at work like the year before. Right. I don't then, count that. I mean, I no, guess, but... That was a fluke. It was weird, too. By this too. time, it was, like, the summer, and we had gone, I think we saw we Pitch Perfect 2 first, or is that Did after we? this? I don't it was remember. was that and this in that the were, summer. Yeah. Anyway, I remember this day, because I got we, fired, and then on my way home from that... You fired. That place, the baking <gasps> place? Oh, the funnel cakes place! Yeah. So, Ch- whatever. Yeah, Same whatever. Yeah, and then I got the email for the advanced screening on my way home. Right. And I was like, We almost well, didn't go, too. Go? Because we, like, hadn't heard of it. 
Right. And we were, we're like, like I what don't is know. this weird movie? Yeah. And then we went, and then we came out, and we were, we're like, like Shit. it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that turned out to be a good day. <laughs> yeah. It's much better than it started. Yeah. Um, okay, so it was directed by Alfonso Gomez Rayon, written by Jesse Andrews. Both the screenplay and the novel it's based on were written by him. Starring Thomas Mann, R.J. Kyler? Siler? Uh, mm-hmm. Olivia Cook, Nick Offerman, Connie Britton, Molly Shannon, John Bernthal, and some other people. Yeah. Uh, so, high schooler Greg, who spends most of his time making parodies of classic movies with his co-worker Earl, finds his outlook forever altered after befriending a classmate who has just been diagnosed with cancer. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's a pretty good plot summary, IMDb. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if you haven't seen it, I want to say this is one definitely, like, we don't want to spoil it. Yes. Yeah. So go watch it. Go watch it and come back, because it's, okay. It's just so good. It's not, like, crazy mystery or anything. It's just, go watch it. Right. That's generally the podcast thing, is you've watched this and now we're talking about it. Yeah. I mean... But, I mean, we're going to start out by saying... She dies in the end. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Despite me, him telling you she's not going to die. <laughs> me and Earl and the dying girl is a very appropriate title because she actually is dying. Yeah. And she does Maybe die. Maybe not at first. She's just like, I'm sick. Right. But then... Well, then like halfway through she's like, I have stage four cancer. And I'm like, holy shit, stage four? Yeah. <laughs> she throws that in then you're like, oh. It's serious. Because yeah. up until that point you don't really know like... I mean, like, there's you know, a lot of people that have cancer and battle cancer and then are yeah. fine. You don't really... And it's leukemia, which has a pretty... It has a higher success. Is yeah. that the word? Sure. Success rate? Survival. Survival, rate? yeah. Yeah. Um, than other cancers, so... But... Yeah. She dies. So... She dies. <laughs> Sorry for that downer. Yeah, so we chose to talk about this one when talking about critics because... Of a personal experience. Imagine that. <laughs> so, yeah, we went to see it, the advanced screening. Yeah. We had, like, heard of it, but didn't really know if we wanted to see it. Yeah, it was like, oh, I think I saw, like, a tra- I watched the trailer. Yeah. Like, after you texted me, I, like, went on and watched the trailer at work or something. Yeah. I was yeah. mildly interested, but didn't... <laughs> You know, and then we wouldn't like, have gone to see it if it wasn't free, <laughs> basically. <laughs> well, and then it was like, well, we might as well just go. It's yeah. free movie. Yeah. It yeah. worked out. And when it ended, we both looked at each other and we're like, that was good, right? Like, yeah, like that was, that wow. was pretty I loved it. spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't just me. That's a. Yeah. And then. Maybe like the next day or like a few days later. It was like the next day yeah. you texted me. I tried to find that article, but I was like, it's not, I can't go that far back in our texts it's, or anything. No, yeah, no. Um, yeah, <laughs> like it was it's two years. <laughs> I tried to search through text and it wasn't there, but oh. like, I don't delete text conversations. Me, me neither. Anyway, I don't remember enough about it. I believe it was written by a man. That's, I remember that. It was. And it was about the movie. Um, I don't think it was like a straight up review. It was more of a critique thing. Whatever. It was somewhat negative. And it was out pretty some, negative. Yeah. And basically, like, picked on 
it being, you know, a bit, like, cliche stuff and, like, unoriginal and, like, the, um... Trying to remember, there was something specific yeah, in it that about bugged the, me. Um, there's something specific about the use of the Dutch angle, which is when the camera tilts mm-hmm. or like at like 45 degree angle, right? Um, which was something that we came out of like, oh, the cinematography was great. Yeah, I loved we all that, that it unique was so camera good. work. And then I read this thing that was like, no, that's stupid and like lame and like film school shit. You know? Yeah. I was like, and then it made us think like. Oh, is this not a good movie? Right. We second-guessed ourselves. We were like, did we yeah. miss something? Is this, Did we get caught up in, like, some part of it and forget the, you know, like, ignore all the bad parts? Which right. happens sometimes. Yeah. But especially, like, we'll get to um, Rotten Tomatoes and that stuff later because we always yeah. do that after. But it doesn't have, like, a low score. No, but it's not. But that's why I'm saying, like, if you're wondering, like, why wouldn't you choose, like, a shittier movie to... It's because it was very, it was a very, like, personally yeah. faith-shaking experience. Yeah. <laughs> where exactly. I was... It was like, do we not know good movies? Yeah. Yeah, it would, just, like, when it was... We didn't know going in what it was. Right. And then we were like, oh, I really like that. And then right away it was like, this is a sh- bad movie. And we're like, oh. Like, it was very... Yeah confusing to my feelings yeah but ultimately as we'll talk about later like if you like it you like it yeah and we really like it yeah so where should we start at the beginning okay so (laughs) um it was the best of times it was the worst (laughs) of times right literally how it starts i will say like it's a little bit odd i mean the characters are i under like they're they're a they're eccentric characters. Yes. They're not, like, the most grounded in reality characters. No. But it adds to the whole tone of it as everyone being a little bit, like, kooky. Right. I was like, but it's it's, it's almost a stylistic choice. Yeah. Like, to have, like, hilarious characters, but not in that they're making jokes and, like... No. But that they're so, like, over the top in just about everything. Right. Just, like, every scene just kind of will make you smile and, like... Yeah. Kind of giggle at it. Well, and they don't feel, like, so unrealistic as to, like, take you out of the film and not be able to connect in any way. Yeah. I mean, I ball my eyes out. Cartoonish. Yeah. This whole back half of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was, like, it wasn't even, it was not our first time seeing it. I know it happens, and it was not, like, pretty crying. (laughs) It was, like, it was, like, my pillow is soaking wet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I cried pretty bad, too. Yeah. Her face. Her face is I'm, so sad. I know, but it's so well done because it's not... That's, like, one thing that's not overplayed is, like, the... The can the cancer element mm-hmm. isn't over the top. Yeah, it's not, like... In terms of, like, Fault in Our Stars, or so, although I haven't seen that, but it's not the really the focus of the film. It's not movie. the focus of the film, right? No. Like, Greg is the focus of the film and how he mm-hmm. deals with it, and it's kind of just this thing that's happening to this girl. Yeah. And, like, of all the different elements of the film, it's by far, like, the least dramatic and, yes. like, yeah. you know, which is interesting because it's the most dramatic thing that's happening. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, it's all very much from his perspective, and he's, in fact, like, telling the story. And he's pretty self-centered. Yeah. but he, <laughs> I mean, he's a teenage boy. Yeah. So, even though the story's about, like, him meeting this girl, it's, sometimes it's, like, sometimes it's just about him. Right. 
And yeah. he just is, like, occasionally visiting her or whatever. We see her once in a while. Um, and the cancer thing is just, like, we know that's why they became friends. Mm-hmm. But, but then it's just, like, because it's always been there through their friendship, it's just... There. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have moments when, like, she lo- loses her hair and she's sad about yeah. that. Or, like... Yeah. She, you know, says, I'm stopping treatment. They get in a fight. And then she's in the hospital. That <laughs> fight is so real, though. Like, that's something that, like... Yeah, and that's a scene where everything they say to each other, I'm like, I feel like you're both right a little bit in this. That's such a, I can't imagine, like, such a tough situation to make that choice. Yes, and especially at that age. Like, that's a fucking shitty age. You I mean, like, everything is so big when you're a teenager. Like, everything is the end of the world. Yeah. Literally, it is the end of the world. In her case. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. But how do you make that decision of like, oh, I'm I'm just done treatment. Like I it's don't. so bad that I'd rather just die. Because it's Lots not a fact like I'm just gonna it. stop and like see if I get better. Like you're not getting better from this no. if you stop treatment. You're saying well, you're dying. I'd also assume like that she wasn't getting much better from it. Yeah, she's I mean, she's, she says four. like it's not doing anything. It's just making me sicker. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. I'm, I'm not an oncologist. Sure but <laughs> she was also probably had some therapy or something. I hope so. Because she would need it. Yeah. So cancer sucks. Yeah. <laughs> cancer sucks. Right. So speaking of her dying of cancer, um, he does say, he says, like, right away at the beginning... That the story, I'm, this is a story of how I made a film so bad that it literally killed someone. Yes. He does say that right in the he beginning. He says that, like, that's one of the first lines. Yeah. But then he does say, she don't doesn't worry, die. she doesn't die, this isn't that story. He says that twice throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and then in the, the end, The first time he says something does. after, like, that'll satisfy her. Like, you'll believe that. Like, he says something yeah. almost to, that if you paid attention, you would see he's not telling the truth. And then he says it again when she's, like, really in the hospital or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't worry. Don't worry. She, she doesn't, doesn't die. It's like, oh, yeah, wait, she died. <laughs> so. While she watched my watching movie. It, it's interesting because, like, does him outright saying she doesn't die, like, affect, like, the first time, like, how you see the movie? Because are you, like, oh, okay, she doesn't die? Or are you, like, questioning that the whole time? And I it just adds I'm, that element of, like... Is it Tension. a double bluff, or is it, you know, like, yeah. if he, if she really didn't die, what kind of story is this? But then, like, she does, and he said, like, what is, what is the strategy of telling us that? I'm trying to remember back to, like, the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I never felt like, oh, well, then she just won't die. Like, I don't yeah. think I ever felt like that. Uh, kind of take it that, in on one level of, like, yeah. okay, she doesn't die. Like, you're just following the story, but if... Then you, by this, like, closer to the end, you're like, no, she no, dies. I'm pretty die. sure she dies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think I ever felt, like, content with him being like, well, she doesn't die. Like, I was always like, but yeah. she's pretty sick. But yeah. she's, are yeah. you sure? I mean, I've known he people with cancer. That if, you know. And as he also points out many times, um, this is not a romance. I know. We it's are the not best falling in love. Part. And, like, they have these little scenes, like, 
as if like they're about to have a moment, but like yeah. that's not really happening. Yeah. And like when he puts that, like his arm out and she like snuggles up yeah. to him and stuff, and you're like, what? And then like, no, it's just no, them hanging out. It's just yeah. I lo- I love that they don't fall in love. Yes. It's so nice, especially kids that age. Yeah. Two to Wait, have girl like thing yeah. Is so you know, it's such a thing. And, like, it would have been a totally different movie if they were, like, in love. Then she would have lived and it would have been beautiful or whatever, right. you know? But this is, like, no, they're friends and people fucking die. Yeah. You make friends and then they die. Yeah. He's not very good with friends. He is, like, fucked up. Greg is... Yes. He has a weird... I like it. He's attachment dark. thing. Yeah. Which is, like, where did you get that from? Like, your parents are together. You're an only child. So, like, you're it's- very, like, family-centric... You yeah. do have a friend. His parents are odd. I um, love them. <laughs> they're, they're two of my favorite characters in the film. They both love him, but mm-hmm. he has, like, the hyper-attentive mother and, like, the most attached father in some ways. Like, his dad's mm-hmm. there for him and, like, likes to share things like food. And, like, that's his way of being like, oh, I love you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, in some ways, like, I feel like his dad is suffering deep depression. I'm like... Maybe. I understand you have a job, but, like, I, you feel like you have no friends and you never leave the house and get out of this house coat other than when you have to. And yeah. it's making me <laughs> feel like you have, like, a very serious mental health issue that's going unchecked. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe he's, like, agoraphobic a little bit because he does, like, stay at home all the time. Yeah. And he's like, look at this weird food from all these other places in the world that right. we are not. That, you know? that we never travel <laughs> this to. This is how I'm exploring the world and sharing it with my son. Right. But They're yeah, like, good, like I don't, loving parents. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what made him so unable he's to dead. accept love and friendship from other he people. He's got this idea that like to survive high school, you need to be detached. Yeah. And not get like locked into one group and just be a floater and then like you won't get into like fights between right. groups or something. Which is I mean like personally when I was in high school, I was a bit of a floater. I didn't have any, like, mortal enemies or anything. But I, deep down, I was a theater kid, and it's like, yeah. find me most lunches. I was making, sewing, hemming pant legs in the theater <laughs> room. You know what I mean? Like, it's not possible. Like, I can't imagine going through without that. Well, he does have his one best friend, Earl, yes. that his he co-worker. hangs out with. Yeah. <sighs> outside of school yeah. and everything. So he does have that, like, bond. And then it seems like... We just see glimpses of him, like, literally just passing by people. But also, I get the feeling that, like, he does hang out with people once in a while. Yeah. Like, he you was imagine playing Magic like, the Gathering with the goth kids or whatever. Right. Like, he does... He just doesn't always hang out with the same people. He just hangs out with a lot of people. Well, and, like, you imagine, like, if he if there's a party and stuff, he probably, like, knows about it, gets yeah. invited type thing. Because he's not, like... Yeah. yeah. I don't... But he it's, it's very strange. self-esteem issues, for sure. Yeah. Which... Um, what's her name? Rachel calls um, calls him out on all the time. All the time. I she's like that. Like a groundhog face and blah blah blah. And she's like, um, stop that. You have self esteem problems. <laughs> like, and it's never like in a flirty way. Like you're not ugly. I no, she's just cute. like she's stopping just, like, her. Stop. Stop, it, stop being crazy. Go to college, idiot. Right. Like, <laughs> I love her. She's yeah. like dying, but she's too still, bad. She like, dies. <laughs> Sorry. She's still just like. Dude, it's weird that you're talking about dying. Like, at the beginning, she's, like, calls him out on... Right. Like, I'm sick, I'm not dying. Yeah. Like, calm down. Chilled. And even when she is sick, she just... 
doesn't really talk about it and just kind of shifts the focus to like you're applying to college I have stage 4 cancer so you're applying to college and then it's like yeah it's one of the saddest things when he like cause he's very unaware sometimes of like what he's saying and how it affects people around him yes which is very true to teenage boy to be fair yeah and that part when it turns out that she is dying and it's like pretty obvious to the audience and everyone else and he's like oh okay well i'll apply to pit but you have to pick something for your future and like you can just see her inside being like i don't have a future asshole like breaking a little bit and i'm like well this is exciting is he really that oblivious or is he doing that thing where you ignore where you ignore it because then you have to deal with it because what else are you gonna do be like i'm applying to college how's dying going right you have to just kind of act normal sometimes. I think she appreciates that he acts normal with her. Yeah. Like, she, like but he's not the one being like, oh, you can get through this. How's it's cancering? God, it's God's plan. It's God's plan. <laughs> I would be like, I don't believe in God, and if so, he is a fucking asshole. Fuck? I'm a perfect person. Your what God's is happening? plan sucks. Right. I'm glad that you think that your God's plan is for me to fucking die of yeah. cancer. At, like, 16. You're an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Makes me so angry to hear people say shit like that. Yeah. But, yeah. You're gonna get through this. You're doing great. Like, all the little video messages are, like, all the same. Then they're like, oh, fuck, this is shit. (laughs) I know. Earl's reaction, though, to that, I'm just like, oh, damn. Yeah. And I'm like, but like, just it was. He says it so perfectly, and like, you can see, like, he's just like, Fuck, I these people are assholes. They're giving us nothing. Yeah, and then there's the token pretty girl, right? The moose that the stomps moose. on the chipmunk, right? <laughs> she is very pretty. Like, She's very pretty. pretty. I know. Um, it's like, <laughs> she's also probably like 25. So. No, I think she's only. Is she actually? She's probably only like 20, maybe. She's I realized where I recognized her from. Probably not the first time we saw it, but now I recognize her because she was in Dirty 30, the movie with Grace mm-hmm. Helbig and Maybody and Hannah. She was like a teenage girl in that. Too. She was the hot, she was the pretty girl in that one too, the pretty teenage Typecast. Yep. Sorry, your typecast is the pretty girl. Sorry, you're pretty. It's supposed to be so hard for you. Right. Limited roles. Beautiful <laughs> white <laughs> woman. Yeah. So hard. Um. So we've got the pretty girl. We've got the teen boy coming of age shit. We've got the token black friend who is very stereotypically black. Yeah. In not the best way. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's realistic. I think that's something we discussed too when we came out of the movie. Like, mm, yeah. Earl is a little... And that was one of the criticisms that you see. Which It's like, a fair criticism. Enough. It is a... F- yeah. I mean, it's not a perfect film, obviously. Yeah. We just really enjoy it. But like, he, it, he is stereotypical. I think mm-hmm. it's just though to show like... At the same time, it acknowledges, like, uh, economy disparities and stuff, and the fact that, like, the black kid is growing up in the shitty neighborhood. Yeah, I feel like that's realistic. But... It's not fair that that's the only way they ever get portrayed, but... Exactly. So it's like, I I see both sides of that. And, like, he kind of talks stereotypical token black guy, but then at the same time, his interests are, like making weird movies with his friend and foreign film and he eats all these weird foods and stuff. Yeah. And I feel like that's not super common with like yeah. 
tough black kid from the gangster neighborhood. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. They... I don't think it's the best. It's obviously... It's not the best representation. Yeah. It's a bit of a token, like, oddball friend for yeah. him. So, like, what's kind of, like... Uh, like... You wouldn't... The odd couple, like, you wouldn't expect them to be together. It's often, like, if you're lead is a white male, because of course he is, then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, if he's black, then he's different. Right. And they just really made, went into some stereotypes, but then he's a good character. He's not just stereotypes. He's, yeah. I mean, like, the first thing out of his mouth is them titties. Like, <laughs> and he says that throughout the movie, like, he's really into titties, which is a bit of, like, a stupid, you know, sounding thing. Yeah, but, but at the same time, it's like, teenage boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. But then he's also, like, really intelligent and, like, sees past Greg's bullshit and, like, talks, like, is great with Rachel. He's great. Yeah, and he has, like, a openness that Greg could never have. Like, mm-hmm. I, and I love when they're sitting there eating their ice cream and she's like, so you're Greg's co-worker? He's like, I'm his fucking friend. He just has, like, a weird thing about saying yeah. it. And I'm like, okay, you're just, you know, like. He knows what's up. You know what's up, yeah. And, like, he spends... His lunch is in the history teacher's room, too. Yeah. But he does seem, yeah, more open. Yeah. Like, like he Greg's likes re- all the same things, but and then he'll sit there and he'll tell you about, like, the movies they make and show you yeah. things and be like, this is how I feel and these are my friends and these are, like, interests I have. And I think he sees right away that their relationship with Rachel is going to be special and that, like, like, she's a good person. Like, she'll be yeah. friends with Greg. So he's like... Yeah, let's bring her into our thing. The whole thing. Yeah. And Greg, like, doesn't know how to handle it. No. Because he's a weirdo. Yeah. And the only person he's ever let in in his entire life is Earl. Yeah. And even then... They've known each other. co-workers. <laughs> right. And it's like, plus they've known each other since they were, like, four. And it, you didn't yeah. have, like, a choice. You kind of just, like... Yeah, just one of those friends yeah. that's right. always been there. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Go see this movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we have to talk about the cinematography. The beautiful cinematography. It's beautiful. It is. And it's and I could like notice it and more this time because it was my second viewing. Yeah. Of like exactly what they were doing. Like you notice right away when it's like a weird angle or specific camera movements because you don't always see that. But I also noticed like. I don't know all the technical terms, but definitely, like, a super wide-angle lens. Because there are shots, like, when he's introducing the school, where mm-hmm. you literally see down, like, two hallways at once. Yeah. And it's, like, up and, like, as if it was, like, up kind of in the ceiling. Like, it's angles that you wouldn't normally see a school from, which is interesting. And then it's, like, just this really wide angle, so you see, like, this, like, cross, this crossroads. Yeah. This fork in the road, whatever. And they do that a lot, too. Like, there's a scene where they're in her room, and she's, like, sitting really close to the camera, or just off from it, and he's just, like, in the chair on the other side of the room, but he seems so far away. Yeah. Just because, like, the lens they're using. And then there's, like, when she's saying, I'm stopping treatment, she's sitting quite close to the camera, he's back on the bed, but they're both in focus. Just, like, things like that, you notice that it's, like... It just looks different than you're used to. Yeah, and I think that's... And it's a choice. It definitely is a choice. Mm-hmm. I like when directors do things like that, because you're like... I feel like, oh my god, there's this whole 
world of film language that nobody's bothering to use. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I understand that you need to use it, like, in the correct ways. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like they do in this film. And the other thing is, I find it interesting that you have, because you're looking at things with such a different perspective than you're used to because of these mm-hmm. angles. And you have these the whole thing is about how this, like, girl comes in and, like, changes the way he looks at life. So mm-hmm. I find that interesting. Yeah, and the theme, kind of visual theme of the movie is also very handmade. Like, there's yes. those little inserts of the moose stomping the chipmunk or stuff at the beginning. It's, like, yeah. little paper mache, stop motion. And then there are their films that are, like, they make their own little props and the film at the end yeah. and stuff. And her thing with cutting books and paper and stuff. It's all so... It, goes it feels right when the camera's, like, moving. Like, there's one where she they're in her room, and it just keeps going around. Mm-hmm. Like, the camera's still, and it's just rotating around back and forth to them. Or, like, when it goes on a weird angle, or it does something, it gives it that, like, experimental, homemade feel. Without right. being too... Without being, like, bad and nonsense and hard to watch. Right. Just that little bit of, like, there's something different going on. Yeah, and, and it's a little nod to, like, what they're doing. The characters. Yeah. And, yeah. It's like, yeah. I get that. I, I feel that. I would it agree works. that it's, it is not hard to watch. It doesn't, like, affect it. No. Um, yeah. To, like, that this is, point. Yeah, it's just stuff you notice if you notice that kind of stuff or upon, like, a second or third viewing. Yeah. You're like, oh, in this shot, like, I can see, like, the whole room must be, like, a really wide angle or, like, um... Or, like, the camera's, like, moving between them. Or in this scene, the camera's not moving at all. Mm -hmm. And stuff like that. And it just, it goes with the scene, whatever it is. Like, when she tells him she's stopping treatment, the camera doesn't move for, like, five minutes. It's, like, one take. And it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's great, but it's And then there's stuff where it moves a lot or just cuts back and forth kind of normally. Or they just use... They use it to yes. help the story and to put you in this world. And and they use it effectively. Yeah, you get really deep and say that, like, because he keeps everyone at a distance, the <coughs> camera, like, like, the angle and stuff makes him look further from, you know? And, like... You could. The shots <laughs> introducing the school. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, that one where you see, like, down both hallways... Or, like, through the ca- the long cafeteria. Mm-hmm. That's I like a theme that as well. Like, it seems like rooms are always, like... Like, the cafeteria is basically, like, a hallway. Yeah. so long. And, like, even, like, the history teacher's room is, like, a really long room. It seems there might be a theme of, like, Lame. distance or, you know. It's there. It's there. I notice that. And, like, all the angles of the school were, like, really, like, high angles. Like, you would never actually see it like that, which was interesting. Because you're... Well, it's like him. He's, like, detached from all... Yeah. He's walking through a crowded hall, but he doesn't he's feel like he's really somewhere different than anywhere else. He's observing it yeah. as a whole. He's as, not in there with one... With yeah. the people. That's my cinematography analysis. Good job, Tash. Thank you. Um, yeah. I like movies that um, are about people making movies. Like this, where they're making their own thing, or, like, Be Kind, Rewind, or Me and You and Everyone We Know, she, like, makes little weird videos, and, like, the first instance I can think of is Tibby in The Sister of the Traveling Pants. Oh, Tibby. 
Because she's got all her equipment. She's got, like, TVs and cameras and set up well, in her for room. you, it's, like, a very, like, personal... Yeah. Yeah. Thing. I, You're like, I am that person. Yeah. We will be that pe- person very soon. Make, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like stuff like this where they're making making videos and stuff. Making Although they art. were, like, literally using, like, a film camera, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I feel though like his dad bought that for them. He had like because a whole like it's shelf his dad of, would. Yeah, <laughs> but like film is fucking expensive, and you're just making these weird little films. Like, yeah. it just it There's adds some to the whole it's like yeah, it's kind of the tone. Yeah, and like he's got a shelf in his room that's just full of like old cameras and video cameras and film cameras, and mm-hmm. like. Fuck you, no one can afford that shit. Like, those are, like, vintage things that no one can afford. Get some for Christmas. Yeah. But that's kind of, like, a visual thing that really appeals to me. That's the little film camera's like a little Bolex. Like, it looks really cool, but I'm like, I can never fucking shoot on that. Like, that would be so frustrating. (laughs) To be like, oh, I fucked that up. I just used, like, $5 of film. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. What else can we say... About the actual movie? Just that it's excellent. You should go watch it. Yeah. How about the scene where she dies? Um, I mean, they cut away. You don't see her no. physically perish in front of you. But... So she begins to die. Um, it's, it's, it's like, so sad and so beautiful all at the same time because mm-hmm. he's projecting this film that he's spent months trying to make for her. Mm-hmm. And she's watching it, and, like, if you see how much she loves it, but then you also see her dying, kind of, all at the she's same time. Like happy. But dying. But also, like, that sad face where your eyebrows go up in the middle. Yeah. And you're, like, you know, and then she kind of starts coughing. Right. But, like, but like, you can see that she is, like, overwhelmed by, like, emotion of, like, the seeing fact this that, film. And the fact that he, he did this and, for her. Yeah. And, and also... <sighs> fact I'm dying. <laughs> I gotta admit, I understood his film a little bit better upon second viewing. Because upon first viewing, I remember being like, it's a weird movie that he makes at the end. And it's still weird. Yeah, it's just abstract. It's, it's abstract, but I'm like, I can see kind of the connective tissue yeah. in some of this. Yeah. With like her and like thinking about her and where you guys are. Yeah. Um, like, but you like... You, it's kind of like you were expecting it to be like their movies that they make, like, parodies of weird films. Yeah, it's Or, not. like, they got all that footage of everyone saying messages to her, and then they, they just, like, made this weird thing for her. Yeah. She, and, yeah, it's so beautiful. It's projecting, it and then, her. like, he it's, gets up, and it's, like, the room is all it's, colorful. It's the color, yeah. It's these beautiful washes of color mm-hmm. while she dies, and it's just, while like, oh, my God. Rushing around, yeah. Yeah, it's great. And, like, the music is just kind of, like, abstract. It's not... What's the word? Diegetic? It's not happening in the room. Yeah. It's, you know, soundtrack, whatever. Um, so, that also... And it's not, like, overly emotional music. It's very, almost... Just kind of abstract, like, tone, yeah. almost. It wasn't, like, a song or anything. It wasn't, like, pulling your heartstrings no. kind of song. It was just... Which is a nice change from... Yeah, it was just Most a, scores. an emotional build-up, and then it's, like, the colors and her face yeah. and the sounds, and it just... And then it's, he's like, and then she went into a coma and died. Right. And then some movies would leave it there, but we get 
get this a little message. Yeah, we get a little bit of like a <sighs> discovering this message about finished. discovering things about someone even after they've died. Yeah, which I loved. Yeah, he discovers it makes it this even more sad. <laughs> it does. He discovers this like weird hobby she had of like cutting up all these books to these beautiful like little which dioramas, amazing. which is so much work. Like, who fucking did that? Because that's amazing. <laughs> and she has a thing with squirrels from like her and her dad when yeah. she was younger, and like he goes and like he he's never looked that closely at like her walls and she's drawn all these little squirrels into like these trees on her walls. It's almost it's like a little like treasure hunt thing almost. Yeah. Like one thing leads to another, to another. and he discovers all this stuff she has. And it's it's yeah, really beautiful and then she's left him like a little bit of a note just yeah. kind of telling him to stop being an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that you know. It was a little unbelievable that she was like I heard you, like, couldn't go to college anymore because you stopped doing schoolwork, so I wrote the university, but I think you should still write them, too. And I was like, okay. They don't give a shit. No. (laughs) But at the same (laughs) time, like, because they have him, he sends in the film and he's writing this letter. That's what he's narrating. Is the letter to Pitt to try and get back in to university or whatever mm-hmm. but at the same time they don't ever show they don't show the university writing back and being like yeah cool they just show him like his effort his effort which i appreciate that they don't like totally go the full like and then he got into school yeah. it's kind of like they could have written back and been like uh you didn't do any schoolwork second semester right fuck you i could see them writing back maybe and being like uh attend summer school and if you get your academic standard back up you can take like a year yeah after whatever something like that but they're not gonna be like sure we held a place for you and get, like yeah shit happens and universities do not give a crap if you're even dying. if you were the one like almost dying of cancer and that's why you didn't do the schoolwork right. you're not gonna get in for september i'm sorry right. <laughs> but yeah it was it's a nice and yeah because it comes full circle and then that's what he's been narrating the yeah. whole time is he was writing this story this story to university yeah it's just great. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch it. Yes. Okay, let's analyze it a bit. Female representation. It's not great. I wrote it suffers from Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Definitely. Yeah. It definitely does. She's super cute and weird, and she has all these quirky habits. Yeah. About, and she's temporary. As right. Many, many she comes in to help are. him get over his self-esteem issues, and then she leaves. Yep. Um, And everyone else is either a hot high school girl or a mom. Yeah. (laughs) It's very much his story. Yes. And she is just a thing that changes his life. You don't even have to look too far for it. It's No, it's it's in the plot summary. But she's still a great character. (laughs) Dying girl changes way boy looks at life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And yet, it's still a good movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Just be... Just because we point out things like Manic Pixie Dream Girl doesn't make it a bad film. It just means that we need to be more aware while watching that these things exist. Yes. That's all we're asking for. Because we're we're so enlightened (laughs) (laughs) that we can watch something like this and be like, oh, well, I see what you're doing here. It's not great for women, but but it's a good movie. Yeah. But also, less of these, more of these, you know, Correct. better movies. Yeah. yeah. It's tough when, like, there are good movies being made, 
And it's like, it's not that all these movies are bad, it's just that we don't want these types of movies being the only types of movies being made. Right. You know? Like, all the movies just, starring men are not terrible, but we no. still need more starring women. We just want options. Yeah. To represent us. Female Crutali? Only two out of 11, and they were producers. Great. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't surprised that it was written by a man. No. Which, to be fair, it's from a man's perspective. Yeah. Like, in every way. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Speaking of what we're, our topic tonight, Rotten Tomatoes scores. Critics gave it 82%. It's pretty good. Audience gave it 86%. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and I also wrote down the meta score, which is what I see on IMDb. Right. Because that's my first... Go-to. Yeah, for I all the some, info. something on IMDb and there's that little number, green or red or yellow, mm-hmm. that immediately gives me a quick idea of how it's being perceived. And the meta score is 74. It's also pretty high. It's a green, so it's pretty good. Yeah, I saw that and I was like... Oh, yeah, this movie. It was just that one article that kind of threw us. It wasn't yeah. a whole... No, it wasn't. Perception. But that article, like, sh- shook us. Yeah. <laughs> so, critics. Yeah. Why do we care about critics? Uh, what power do they have in the industry? What are the demographics? How do they affect box office or general opinion or awards? These are they are even the necessary anymore? That's another good question. I say no, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, if you care enough to look up what critics are writing, you care enough about movies to have your own intelligent movie opinion. Correct. Know? Right? Like, yeah. the people who just want to see movies aren't looking up critics. They're watching trailers, and they're just going by a kind of general, kind of what they hear. Like, oh, yeah, this is really cool. Go see it. Or like, oh, it's a new Marvel movie. I'm going to go see it. Well, and that's the thing. It's like... Most of the time, you care more about what your peers think than you do about what the critics think. Like, exactly. the critics could be like, oh, it was terrible, it was terrible. But if I have three friends and they were like, oh my god, it was so much fun, like, I really enjoyed it, I don't give a shit, critics. I'm going with yeah. friends' opinion here. And on the other side, the critics are like, ooh, this is Oscar-worthy, this is amazing, 99%. And we're like, like fuck you, Carol. Boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's almost like if it was... If it's that high on, like, some sort of score, I'm going to be like, ugh, it's going to be a boring political Oscar war something movie. Yeah. I mean, I like a lot of that stuff, but the, the, the basic thing, though, is that audiences and critics go to a film for different reasons. Yes. An audience member is going for entertainment, mm-hmm. and critics are looking for, like, specific, even quantitative... Things that are considered, like, film-making fundamentals. Yes. And those are not, like, those are not all the time the same movie. No. I read an article that used horror films in particular as, like, an example for a huge disparity in audience versus critic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I have a quote or something about here. Where did I put that? Okay, so we have a lot of articles here. They'll be linked in the blog post. Yeah. This was from CNBC, an article. Um, said, critical opinion can have a significant impact on a film's success if it targets a specific genre that is susceptible to reviews, namely family films and Oscar-caliber dramas. Mm-hmm. Those are ones where they care about 
Right. Um, horror films, comedies, and a film like Fifty Shades are really impervious to reviews as a demand to see them is usually too overwhelming to be distracted by negative reviews. Right. I would add Marvel and that kind of stuff to Yeah, that. superhero. This is, but yeah, Suicide Squad as an example. Yeah. Well, it does affect it. It but does, also, but you're still going to go see it and then yeah. say it's a terrible movie. Yeah. It has enough of the draw that you still want to see it, even if yeah. you know you're not going to like it. Well, and it was just interesting because they were talking about, like, an audience member goes to, say, a horror film, and it's like they want to be scared. And if yeah. they're scared, then it's fun, and it was entertaining, and it was good. Mm-hmm. And they don't give a shit anything else about the movie. It doesn't matter That's how it was made or how it was... Yeah. That's why there's so many terrible horror films. Right. They're more... They're more horror than film. Right. They're there to be scary, scary. not to be a good story and good filmmaker. Correct. And, like... And that's fine for that genre. Exactly. That's what it is. That's what it people... What that's is. what people want. They want a good scare. That's their... That's the fun they get out of it. Then, yeah. like, they're not going to give a shit. That's why I don't like them. I don't like to be scared. <laughs> and I can remember my friends made me go see The Grudge for my birthday... <laughs> In For life. your birthday? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what nice. do we want to go see? And they all wanted to see that, and I was the only one who did it. So we went. And I remember just the structure of it was very repetitive. It was like normal, 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 spooky buildup. And then the little kid jumps out of the cupboard. Ah! And then literally it went black. And then it was like normal next day or whatever. And it did that like several times. And I was like, no, this isn't a good movie. <laughs> I was like 15, but I was like, mm, no. <laughs> Literally, like, build up black screen. Build up black screen. Yeah. Like, well, horror movies are like a roller coaster. If you like that, then <laughs> it was effective. I was scared. It was creepy. But it's not... But not my, a great film. No. Not, not my jam. Um, okay, let's talk about the main thing we're kind of probably going to talk about is female critics. Right. Of which there are not enough. I was like... Of course. There's a huge disparity... Mm-hmm. in critics. Uh, so the only kind of stats we'll throw at you is San Diego State University did a study recently. Women make up only 27% of, quote, top critics, whereas men make up the 73%. Mm-hmm. And women wrote 24% of reviews over the course of the study with men making up the remaining 76%. Right. So that's like a quarter. I think it's, I mean, like... It, we keep emphasizing the fact that it's, like, the entire industry has the same issue yes. in terms of gender disparity. And it's like, well, but all these films that star men get great reviews and, like, all this sort of stuff. It's like, okay, but it's because all the men are reviewing those movies and the yeah. women don't have a voice in in even, like, the critique part of things. So... It, yeah, oh it's um, it's, it's just like a continuing. <laughs> it's a problem. Like we said, it's a problem getting women and like diversity in the door, just to give them a chance to make their films. And right. then it's getting them like distribution and everything, getting people to see them. And then it's people talking. About, it's like a whole it's, every fucking step of the way is, and it starts so at the beginning and it just keeps feeding. Yep. But, like, well, we don't really care what you... Women are still seen as, like, specific, like, a minority. And that, like, we only like certain types of movies and stuff like that. And that's why they... That's how the box office works. That's how they kind of see us as an audience. Yeah. And as filmmakers, like, we're only going to make 
Netflix. Right. A woman can only make movies for women. Men can make movies for everyone. Yes. Because a, men is the default. Everyone can exactly. watch movies about a straight white man. But women can only but make women, movies for who's women. Who's going to watch that? Women, that's only half the population. We can't make a movie just for them. That's nonsense. If men watch women do women things, they will go gay. Everyone knows that. We, we got to be careful with that. If they even look at pink too long, gay. Instantly. It just happens. It just happens. They just snuggle up to that person beside and, them in the movie theater. Yeah. And that is the worst thing that could ever happen. Worst. Being gay. Absolute. Sorry. <laughs> We're airing some other issues. Okay. Um, should I throw some more quotes? Yeah. Um, how about this one from an article from Tiff? Um, I like this line. More diverse perspectives means less of a consensus and means sharper criticism. Agreed. We have to get to the point where we can have more diverse perspectives. Yeah. I just liked how that was laid out, like, with all, like, straight white men, probably, like, being the critics, like, it's a consensus. Exactly. Like, they're all going to be similar if all the reviewers are similar, all the filmmakers are similar, but... And if you have that diversity, yeah, you're going to get sharper criticism, as in you're going to get so many different perspectives, you're going to narrow in on the true things. Right. You know? Everyone's going to have their biases, and that's fine, but you're going to get right to the root, like, the few things that are everyone sees. And I also feel like that's the... You need that diverse perspective in order to use critiques as, like, a tool for, like finding your niche because like right now because it's just like white bread (laughs) blandness you know what I mean it's like they all kind of say the same thing yeah but it's like if we had different perspectives you you would have certain people that like oh I'm looking for this type of film and I trust a black woman's perspective on it a lot more than a white guy who grew up in an upper middle class family in a Burbank suburb like you know what I mean I'm sorry yeah yeah. You could also say that about, I trust, like, people, like you said, peers and, like, people you know yeah. more than people who are so-called critics. Absolutely, I do. Because, yeah, people in the industry in any way are seeing movies differently than people who are just seeing movies. Well, yeah. Or even people kind of in between, like, us who, like, analyze movies. But also we're not just like movies. Completely... <laughs> And, well, yeah, we're not completely in the industry no. critics, but we're also not just watching movies for the sake of watching movies. Like, we are somewhere in between where we know stuff. Right. But we also can say, like, I just enjoyed it. I don't care if it's bad. But we can also say, like, yeah, this part of it was bad. The cinematography or this whatever. Yeah. The writing was bad. But I like it anyway. Like, there well, are people I'm, in between. There. I find a lot of, um, after we do advanced screenings and we're doing, like, our reviews, mm-hmm. a lot of the time we'll be like... Not perfect. No. These things problematic. Yes. Like when we saw this, we were like, Earl, a little stereotypical. Yeah. Yeah. However, as a whole, it was enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know me, you know my tastes and my interests, and I have a lot more faith in something that you're like, you probably really enjoy this than like a faceless article. <laughs> yeah. Who is trying. Trying to be unbiased. (laughs) Yeah. They try to be unbiased and just, like, critique it, whatever, but you can't take that out. Right. 
You also, I mean, need to look at publications that people are writing for because sometimes it does make a difference. Mm -hmm. There's right and left leaning papers. There's right and left leaning magazines that all comes into play Mm -hmm. in terms of who they staff their publication with. Yeah, there was, I don't know if I grabbed a quote from one of these, but they were talking about publications, like websites mostly. Um, They'll go for the, you know, the male reviewer over, like, a black woman or something. Of course. Because they see them as universal and general and uncontroversial and, like, they're probably already successful. And they just kind of see that, like, oh, yeah, you know. I think they, I feel like they take them because they're like, well, I mean, everyone will just be like, oh, okay, like, it's a white man's opinion, whereas... If even if he writes something controversial, it's just considered like, oh, like he had a different opinion. Whereas, like, if a, a black woman was writing it or like a gay black man was reviewing films or something, they'd be like, well, he feels this way because, yeah, instead of just like, no, that's just how they feel about the movie. It always has to be like, well, because they're black, because yeah. they're well, you that's know. a problem in the world, of course, it is, of but I'm just straight white male being default. And seen as absolutely no, like not swaying anyway. That's just what we're used to. Yep. And then anything deviating from that is coming from that perspective. The other perspective. Yeah. And yeah, that's the problem. Yes, it is. Okay. How about from the same TIFF article? Twitter has made it almost impossible to go into a movie without having some understanding of the critical consensus around it. It can be intimidating to plug up the courage to offer a contrarian opinion. I know I've questioned whether I've read a film correctly because I haven't agreed with the voice voices speaking the loudest about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think everyone's had that. Yeah. You, like, see a movie and you, like, love it or you hate it. Like, Carol, for example, yeah. for a different perspective from us, personally. Mm-hmm. Fucking hated that movie. I mean, I didn't hate it. It was just boring. We were so bored. I almost fell asleep. Like, it was a struggle to keep my eyes open. Yeah. And, and to this day, you see stuff about it. Being like, it was the most amazing the most film amazing. of all time. And I'm just like, nah. Where were we? Like, were we in the right movie? Exactly. Like... <laughs> And, like, particularly in, like, the queer community of, like, lifting it up is like, oh, look, because we get so few, like, women-women relationships. Every single one is like, let's jiff the hell out of it and put it all over Tumblr. But I'm always like, it wasn't even that great of a relationship. Why are we, like... It was, like, predatory and, like, stalker and, like, wasn't even that hot. Like, why are we... Yeah. (laughs) They didn't even get to have, like, a great sex scene. Yeah. (sighs) There's an example. Come on, Carol. (laughs) Get your shit together. But yeah, the internet, Twitter and the internet, it is, you can't watch a movie without knowing something about it, unless you're a total hermit. I mean, the other day I was talking about the La La Land soundtrack, my friend said, what's La La Land? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, we live... She's a special case. We live in very different worlds. I know. I couldn't believe it. I was like, seriously? This is a conversation? (laughs) Yeah. Where have you been? I just questioned her about, like, how do you find out what's going on in the world? Because, like, I have Twitter... Twitter mostly for, like, news stuff. Everyone's Even about in the news. Facebook and the internet. Like, it yeah, wasn't, like, like, a little movie. It was, like, it almost La La Land and then hugely controversial after the Oscars. Yeah. Never even heard of it. Like, oh, dear. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, um, you, you heard things about movies. And you just kind of, without any specific 
person or a specific opinion. You just get an idea. Yeah. When a movie is, like, good or bad or weird, whatever. Like, I still haven't seen Get Out, but, like, so much about it being, like, great. And I'm like, okay, I believe you. Everyone's just saying that. Or, like, when... It was pretty great. Batman vs. Superman bombed. It was, like, before it even came out, we were hearing... It was all, like, Terrible, negative. Yeah. And then when it did so much worse the second weekend, everyone was talking about that. And it's just, like, it builds up and you're like, oh, okay, it's not good. Right. It can affect your opinion of a film before you even go see it if you read too much. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I try generally if it's something that I know I'm going to see. I try... I I try. I'm not super successful. No one is. But, like, I do my best, like, you're going to read stuff about it, but, like, don't actively seek it out, maybe? Oh, yeah. Once I know I'm going to watch something, it's like, I don't want to watch any more trailers. I don't want to hear what you think of it. I've decided I want to see it. If I don't know if I want to see something yet, give me me a little something to make up my mind. Right. But once I've made my decision... But it's hard. It's hard these days to, to go in. And I think we've discussed it before, like, how much of... What you hear about a film affects how you view it once yeah. you're already. Well, we talk about Ghostbusters and right. the controversy, like even that stuff where it's not. It wasn't really about the quanti- quality or like the of content the of the film. It was just the idea, just the fact it existed. Yeah, was a whole Ascended thing, and people. then that was the whole thing of like I want to like it because it's women yeah. and whatever. Or, like, I would be like, oh, I want to like this because, like, it's LGBT, or I want to like it because it's whatever, like, an underdog kind of thing, but it's hard to then have a, like, unbiased opinion. But then, we're all full of biases. Correct. We're still capable. Like, Before Mm. I Fall was made by a woman, and we didn't like that very much either. (gasps) Yeah, exactly. We were like, I wanted to like it because it's made by women, women. but no, it's not good. No. Which I guess means we're not totally swayed by her. Good for us. <sighs> yep. <Yay>. Golf club. <laughs> Maybe we should be critics. We're so even. What's the word? I'm not unbiased. Whatever. I'm so good at talking, guys. Um, how about I read other people's words? Okay. From IndieWire article. Uh, critics are more concerned with influencing how people think about movies than whether or not whether they see them or not. They also know that, at least for major releases, their collective power is dwarfed by the might of the studio marketing budget. That's true. Well, also, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I don't... We've talked about marketing before when we talked about, like, the China overseas stuff. Like, yeah. movies are just marketing campaigns now. So, critical review of some movies is unnecessary like you said like horror movies and like specific just big hyped stuff like 50 shades yeah it's not gonna change shit but people are gonna watch it anyway for whatever reason like there are just some movies or some genres where just the critique doesn't matter people you cannot crush it no and they're not look and the people wanting to watch those movies are not looking for don't give a shit about the review they saw like a cool trailer or a good marketing campaign, and they decide they want to see it. Right. Or everyone's talking about it, so they want to go see it. Marketing is also interesting in terms of critics, because, like, every market, like, every time you see, like, a trailer on TV, it's like, this person said that this is the most amazing film of 2016. And, yeah. like, from the marketing perspective, like, 
that stuff is taken so out of context. Like you'll go back and read that person's review and it's like the most negative review ever, but they use like this one Or it's just someone phrase. like, why the fuck should I care about their opinion? It's right. not like the New York Times review or no, like something. It, it'll be know, no one or it'll be like, on it'll be like a review that's not actually praising it, but they take like the one line out of context and stuff. So like, yeah. it's funny when sometimes it's just a word. Right. Awesome. I know. <laughs> they'll put that on the cover. I'm like, oh, you're reaching there. I know. Cause I'm like, the, the line's probably like, I wish that I could say this film was awesome. And they're like, awesome. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and critics have to write in those little, like, soundbite things. Of course. They're, they're gonna, you, they know they're going to be grabbed out. Yeah. But the whole, are critics more concerned with how people think about movies? Not anymore. That was the original idea of, you know, critiquing a piece of art. Right. And now to it's change just, your perspective on it yeah. and help you to like see like kind of past just the entertainment veneer. Mm. Yes. But now it seems less. It's just it's all kind of part of the marketing of like yeah. We're a website that writes about movies. Just write something to tell people whether they should go see this or not. Correct. That's what people want to know. Yeah. They don't want to analyze their movies. They just want to go see a movie that they want to see. So just tell me if I'm going to like it. And I'll go see it. Right. That's it. (laughs) Um, But then there is a correlation between critics and critics reviews and box office numbers. Yes. Still to this day. But then it's like, can we ever be sure that it's critics? That it's a like direct correlation and not just the better a movie is then the more people will see it and the right. better reviews it's going to get. Because the thing is, is that often, like, often personal reviews and critical reviews do go hand in hand. It happens. Mm-hmm. Like, when you look at something like um, Batman versus Superman, it's like critics were like, oh, this is terrible. And people who love comic books and were, like, so excited to go see it came out and were like, no, dude, it. it's fucking brutal. And yeah. it's like, so if all your friends are saying it's a shitty movie, you're not going to go see it. You're like, I'll skip this one. Yeah. It's, I, I, can, can we ever be sure why? No, correlation do does do not that. mean causation. Yeah. <laughs> and like, really, are people seeing it because the critics recommended it or because it's a good movie? Right. So the trailer looked phenomenal. Yeah. Like, of course I'm going to go see it. everyone they know saw it and, and told them. Like, word of mouth is the biggest thing, probably. For sure. Especially in, in today with the social media. Yeah. Someone whose the... opinion you trust or you think that you have similar taste and you follow them on Twitter or something and they said they love this movie, you're going to be like, oh, what's that? Well, I'm going to... Yeah. And even just the fact that you can follow so many actors and stuff on, like, Twitter and, like, if you... They might be, like, really funny and they're always tweeting hilarious stuff and then they're, like, promoting their film mm-hmm. that's coming up. Stuff like that would make more of a difference than, like, this faceless, middle-aged white man that's probably writing this out of his mom's basement for this website that he gets paid shitty freelance money for. Especially, like, (laughs) younger people. Like, what the fuck do we care what this so-called critic is saying when, like, this celebrity or, like, the actor in the movie, like, I just want to see this person in a movie. Right. They're funny. They're cute. They're... Yeah. Do you know that, like, actors now, like, their social media numbers are on, like, their resumes? Yep. Because that's... It, it can affect how much they get paid. Yeah. It's brutal. because it, you're not just hiring actors anymore, you're hiring 
personalities and celebrities you're hiring their you're getting their audience yeah. for your marketing which for like small movies is a really big deal yeah like a small independent movie if you could get someone who's like really big on instagram for whatever reason that's gonna help you a lot i know and like more than just paying millions of dollars for like someone super famous people are gonna be like oh yeah i recognize that name they're in this indie movie okay but like it's good and bad yeah. I understand, like, there's a lot of pros to it, as you say, like, for something like a small film, but you mm. also, like, small indie movies are where so many actors start out, and it's mm. like, if they, sometimes it's hard to garner any interest before you're in anything, and then you're not being cast in any, it's kind of like the whole, like, I don't have experience, but you're not hiring me to get experience. Yeah. yeah. I don't have exposure, but you're not putting me in anything, so I don't gain exposure. Yeah, that's general. That's just a kind of thing of the internet in this age. Yep. Of like everybody needs to have some sort of internet presence, and that's really like a currency now. Mm-hmm. Of which I am very poor. <laughs> <laughs> I am also very poor, but not trying very hard. So I guess. Yeah. Anyway, here's a fun thing. <laughs> Um, Google Movie Critics and Google will put a nice list with pictures across the top of right. all the movie critics, top movie critics, because it knows what you're looking for. And they're Google all always knows. white men. Occasionally a white woman. Occasionally, uh, like, black man. But it's just, Getting like, really crazy. Just <laughs> keep scrolling through, it's like, white men, white women, white men. And, like, it's endless. And then I typed in female movie critics. Three. Three came up. <laughs> Three pictures. Wow. I was like, come on. That shows you the discrepancy of nothing yeah. else. Of like top known whatever, because Google's kind of pre-selecting this for you. Of course. Movie critics, look at all of them. Female? Oh, I got three. I've only <laughs> heard of three women who talk about movies. Imagine <laughs> that. Uh, I am going to include a link to this little article, 15 Female Critics You Should Be Reading. So if you're, if you are someone who likes to read critiques and reviews and articles. Different perspective. Yeah, you could find some if you're feeling it's lacking women, the information you're getting. Here's a little list. Also, I feel like the straight up review has kind of gone away. Like it used to be, like we said, like papers, you would go to the arts and whatever section and there would be a straight up review of a movie with like out of five stars now there's just so much so many think pieces and so many just articles and pieces written about movies yes possibly a new movie but like analyzing in this really specific way or just like we're talking about older stuff as well now like yeah, just people are going back and redoing a, articles. Yeah, and like just writing about media now, or media about media, podcasts about movies, podcasts about TV shows, like, there's so us. much media <laughs> about media that, like, straight up reviews aren't really a thing anymore. I wouldn't want to watch, like, a video of someone just straight up reviewing a That's movie That's fucking that boring. But I would watch someone, like some specific thing about, like, this character from this movie and why they're not feminist or why (laughs) is this manic pixie dream, you know, like, Mm -hmm. 
going into tropes and stuff. Yeah. A specific take on it that has an interest to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what people want to read, I think. People who are really into movies like us get really deep in there and these really, like, thoughtful articles. Yeah, we want something specific. We don't want just, like, a, oh, well, this film had good plot. (laughs) Like, okay. And then there are the people who aren't really interested. They'll still be grabbed by an article that's, like, not just review of this new movie coming out, but, like, why this character from this movie is showing you how to do this. I don't know. Yeah. Somewhat clickbaity, but there is some substance to it, you know. Yeah. But, you know, like, there used to be that, like, Siskel and Ebert show. Mm-hmm. Where they were just, like, thumbs up, thumbs down. No one would watch that now. Like, everyone, because everyone sees the trailers on their own. They don't need to watch that show to see right. it. Right. They're making their own opinions right away. Well, and it's, like, thumbs up, thumbs down. You watch the trailer and you scroll down and there's likes and dislikes right on yeah. the YouTube page. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, why do I need two other white guys' opinions Yeah, when I have 40,000 people's opinions right here? Yeah, and then you just go, like, Google it or use the hashtag on Twitter or something, yeah. and you see what everyone's saying. We're pretty much saying movies are good and bad, but yeah. it matters more if they're good and bad to you. We're always saying that. I know. It's that's art. It's generally like our you like go-to. It, you like More it. women and don't listen to critics. Listen to your heart. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Listen to your heart. <laughs> what does your heart tell you? Does your heart love it? That's all that matters. Yeah. I think in general people are being more what's the word like they have movie knowledge or like cinema language you know mm-hmm. they're more knowledgeable of that so they're they are more... aware of tropes and things and overdone thing you know how story structure like everyone's kind of knows about that now without like studying it and becoming a critic you know yeah they're all so, doing a lot more independent yeah so they can watch a movie making. and be like I know why I liked it, and I know why it's not technically good or whatever, right. but, you know. And the people that don't know that stuff don't care. No, they're just going <laughs> to laugh at their movie, or they're just going to like it for whatever yeah. reason, and that's fine. Cool. Good for you. You can love bad movies, you know. It only gets really bad when it's, like, we're talking about diversity and stuff all the time. If there's right. some... You know, it's all the stereotypes that could just get perpetuated by those people who aren't analyzing it, and it just soaks into your brain, and then that's how you see the world. But you do you, (laughs) (laughs) boo-boo. Okay. Okay. Should we wrap this up? We should. We've talked about this (laughs) You can email us, thoughts and feelings, or, you know, just say hi, at inthemoviespodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram Handle is at in the movies pod. Yeah. Because we have an internet presence. (laughs) (laughs) Small, but it's there. Right. Uh, Yeah, so there's links in the description of this to go to the blog post so you can see all the links to articles that we found. Yeah. Um, There's a link to my YouTube so you can watch us talk about movies. Yeah. (laughs) Review movies. (laughs) If you're not sick of listening to us talk about movies. You can also watch us. (laughs) Um, yeah. 
And a little reminder that I do have a Patreon. Dun, dun, so dun, if you want to support the podcast and all the stuff I do, but also the podcast that yeah. you're listening to right now. And obviously you like, you made it to the end. Thank you. Tisha's new apartment could use a new microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's linked in the description as well. Um, yeah. Everything's Tish Chambers if you want to stalk me on the internet. <laughs> that's Just fair. putting that out there. <laughs> Uh, so thanks for listening. Have a good week. Bye. See you after the move. <laughs> <laughs>